0: dad. Hello, Rasa. How are you doing?
1: I am super duper duper super super duper super.
0: Superb. Are you completely and utterly ready to know everything?
1: Yes, 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 yes.
0: Okay, let's do it. Today I have a theory about babysitting or just little kids in general. Hmm. There's always that time when maybe you're babysitting while the parents take a break or just playing with a pretty little kid. And almost always what happens is the kid's playing with blocks, making this tower that doesn't make any sense, (laughs) it's about to fall down, it's pretty crooked, and you straighten it or you add pillars to it so it looks nice. But this theory is that it's better to just let them do it.
1: By let them do, you mean let them make mistakes?
0: Yes. The thing is, when you add the pillars to it, or the fancy mirror, or you straighten it, they're not having fun. They're like, oh, she's doing something else. They're having fun building the crooked tower. They're having fun making it crazy. They like it like that. So then, when you straighten it and add arches to it, then... It's not theirs. They don't get to do anything, and they don't like
1: it. Mm, So when you're quote-unquote fixing it or making it better, you're actually kind of taking over, kind of bossing, almost bullying a bit? Yeah. Now, do you find that with me when I'm, you know, say, trying to teach you how to cook or trying to teach you how to type or doing a sport together for the first time? Do you find that my advice is taking over more than it's helpful how do we find that right divide between helping out and teaching and letting someone be themselves and discover it for themselves
0: well i think that you have to learn the difference between giving advice and doing it for them mm. because those are two very different things like you might say hey tommy you want to add a pillar And you might say okay And that's not taking over. Then she'd say, hey, Tommy, let's stream the tower and add pillars and put this on the roof. And see, let's put this triangle thing on. Isn't it pretty?
1: Then I made it my own. I took it from the kid.
0: Yeah. It's taking over.
1: I like your way of giving advice, too. It's asking if they want to do something, not telling them what to do. Asking if they even want to hear what you're trying to say. Yeah. Hmm. And respect the answer?
0: (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Even if the tower falls, it usually works out just fine. Are you ready for today's poem? Yes. Okay. It's called If I Lived in That House by Joseph Mageshek. If I lived in that house, the father would read to his daughter. A man would throw a ball to a boy. A woman would softly kiss a child. A family would sit and eat. A knock would go unanswered. A girl would cry in her small room. A boy would stand alone, staring down a hallway. A shiny faucet would trip in a white sink. A bare light would cast a yellow beam on a porch. A dark silence would fill the black winter night. A rainstorm would blur an open field, and a man would not think too hard.
1: Mm.
0: Wow, isn't that such a cool poem?
1: Yeah, really makes me think.
0: Do you want to read it?
1: I'd love to. If I Lived in That House by Joseph Mageshik If I lived in that house, a father would read to his daughter. A man would throw a ball to a boy. A woman would softly kiss a child. A family would sit and eat a meal. A knock would go unanswered. A girl would cry in her small room. A boy would stand alone, staring down a hallway. A shiny faucet would drip into a white sink. A bare light would cast a yellow beam onto a porch. A dark silence would fill the black winter night. A rainstorm would blur an open field. And a man would not think too hard.
0: Wow. What do you think that poem means?
1: Well, have you ever gone on a walk through your own neighborhood and maybe into another or through a city that's totally unfamiliar to you and realized that you aren't sure what's happening inside the other houses, but they have their own stories that are as rich as your own? Yeah. And it's interesting about this poem is At the beginning, it seems like he's jealous or at least admiring of the people in that house. They seem to have a really sweet life. The father's reading and playing catch. The children are being kissed. The family's eating the meal. And then it gets darker and sadder.
0: Girls crying. Boys standing alone. Sounds like maybe their parents died.
1: Yeah, or they're at least lonely. Just like maybe we are when we're standing outside a house, looking inside, seeing the light, imagining the life inside. Yeah. If I lived in that house, is the first line. A man would not think too hard, is the last line. So what does thinking too hard mean to you?
0: Well, I guess it's not so much a question of that, but a question of what it means to not think too hard. I guess it just means to just not think too hard. Yeah, I think no? it's
1: going easier on yourself. And I think of thinking too hard as often. Thinking feeling,
0: of sad things.
1: Being jealous, being sad, feeling lonely. And he's saying, if I was in that house, maybe I wouldn't think too hard. Yeah. And At the same time, maybe for the people in the house, actually, like for the people in any house, life is a mix of good and bad and together and lonely.
0: Yeah, sure is.
1: Is there another house that you've seen that you'd rather live in than ours?
0: Nah, I like our house. Though, it would help if our house had a water slide. The last segment of the show. Do you have a vexing question for me?
1: I do. I know that the longest day of the year is in June, in the summer. And I know that the shortest day of the year is in December in the winter, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere. But what I don't know is how that relates to when the earth and the sun are closest and farthest from each other. So are those the same times or is there other dates of the year that the earth is closest to the sun and the earth is farthest from the sun?
0: Wow. Intriguing. I'll look it up and get back to you. Okay, I'm back and I've got the answer to your question. Excellent. The Earth reached its closest point to the sun for 2020 on January 4th or 5th, depending on your time zone.
1: Okay. Isn't that
0: funny? In the middle of winter. Yeah. And Earth reached its farthest point away from the sun for 2020 on July 4th or 5th. Again, depending what time zone you're in.
1: Wow, so middle of the summer and July 4th just happened to be the date? Yep. Is it common that it's in January and July or does it change year to year?
0: It does change every year, but only a little. So for the next few years, it'll be around the same time. Cool. Yeah, there's a word for it. When you're closest to the sun, it's called a perihelion. And when you're farthest away from the sun, it's called an
1: apahelion. Perihelion, closest, and that's around January for a while. Apahelion, farthest, and that's in early July for a while. Yeah. And the seasons themselves are not for how close or far from the sun we are. They're because of how the planet is tilted. And that's why winter in the northern hemisphere is summer in the Southern Hemisphere and summer in the Southern Hemisphere is winter in the Northern Hemisphere.
0: Yup, exactly. You must know everything was produced by me, Ross Smith, and him, Jeremy Smith. And the amazing music was by Furniture. Learn more and submit your own vexing questions at our website, youmustknoweverything.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you like to listen. Please rate, review, and share the show. And please tune in next time for everything you need to know.